Hello and welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. I'm your host, Bill Banton, along with me on this journey back to the 80s is my co-host, Jason Masek. Hello, Jason. All right, Bill. Okay. Clowns, cotton candy, flying popcorn. Go ahead. Let them make fools of the police department. I told you I was just over there. Who are you going to believe, me or this little tramp? I know you, you little fart. You hang out with the Terenzi brothers. Clowns. I get it. Another one of their stupid stunts to sell ice cream from that goddamn truck those hoodlums run around in. Well, now I really believe this. Well, you better go now, Bill, before the clowns take over, huh? And when you get back from saving the world, I want a full written report so I can give it to the chief when he gets back on Monday. <laughs> that was awesome. That's right, listeners. It's Splatter Cinema Month, where we have the most unoriginal idea to talk about horror movies during the month of October. Our fourth movie is 1988's Killer Clowns from Outer Space, starring Suzanne Snyder and Grant Kramer. Written and directed by Stephen Kiodu. this movie is rated PG-13 with a running time of 1 hour and 28 minutes. So, what is this movie about? What's on the box? If you grew up in the 1980s and went to your local video store to rent this movie, you would find this description on the back of the VHS box. It is What's on the Box. Take it away, Jason. Finally, the truth about clowns is out. Beneath their smirky, sinister grins and wildly patterned clothes are clever killers from out of this world. Killer clowns from outer space strips away their painted faces, unmasking horrifying monsters with the ultimate human death plan. The juxtaposition of their toy store arsenal and malvolent intent proves to be a tasty combination. That's a quote from the LA Times. That will leave you fearing these big top creatures for good. A spaceship, looking like a circus tent, lands in a field near a small town, signaling the attack of deviant, red-nosed, balloon-twisting psychos from another world who plan to annihilate mankind by turning people into cotton candy. Luckily, the town's teen citizenry decide to fight back and teach the cosmic bozos a lesson. But these clowns are no klutzes turning popcorn, peanuts, and caramel corn into playful but deadly weapons of madcap destruction and mayhem. In space, no one can eat ice cream. Killer clowns from outer space. Killer clowns from outer space. That's wow. right, Bill Bant. That's clowns with a K. Yes. I know it's funny, too, when I was writing my notes for this, I kept writing clowns with a K. Well, I was writing my notes. I was I, like, I oh, no, it's it's still C. No one's seeing this. It's okay. I did the exact same thing as if I felt obligated because these clowns are different. A these little bit. Alien. alien clowns are spelled with a K. Clowns yeah. are spelled with K. Yeah. It makes sense. So everybody knows that, Bill. All right. So that was what's on the box. Um, let's move on to our earliest memories of the film. Jason, as always, start us off. Absolutely. So, Bill Bent, man, my earliest memories uh, slash what I think of uh, is absolutely nothing. Again, not a zilch, zippo, because I've never seen this movie until today. And oh, my goodness. So, truly, uh, nothing outside of the fact that I'd heard of it. Uh, I'd seen a clip or two 
over the years, uh, the clowns themselves. So I had an idea of what they looked like, uh, sort of that, that puppetry look or the puppet uh, makeup effects. So I'd seen little clips on either a show about movies or in a montage about this genre or something similar to that. Something making reference to the, you know, these campy horror films or comedy horror films, but that's it, Bill Bant. that I literally am done. I'm just going to pass it right over to you. What are your earliest memories of killer clowns from outer space? Yeah. So for me, I thought for some reason it was, I was watching at the movies, Cisco and Ebert, we talk about all the podcasts about the reviews for movies. And it was at the end of the show. And it was one of those like upcoming video releases. And they mentioned killer clowns from outer space. I couldn't find this just to confirm that it was, but I was like, what, what kind of movie is that? And they showed a quick clip and you just see like these freaky clowns. And um, I think they did one of their weird ways of murdering something. And I'm like, killer clowns from, okay, I got to remember that one. And it just always stayed in the back of my mind. That title just always stayed in the back of my mind. I'm like, if I ever get around to seeing this, I will. And it wasn't something I, I rented or anything like that. It was good old late night cable. When you're a teenager and you're staying up till four in the morning and you're watching the worst movies that they're showing on HBO or Showtime or Cinemax or Skinemax or whatever it is. And there it was, Killer Clowns, probably on at like 2 a.m. And I watched it and I was just like, this movie is perfect for where it is. It is a late night cable. Nothing else is on. You're just staying awake. Just the fact you can stay awake. And I watched it and I, and I enjoyed it. It was just uh, a strange movie. I like quirky comedy horror films. And this where yeah. this movie falls into. It's not, not scary at all. I mean, there's like two or three moments of a little bit of tension where I'm really like, oh, they could have done like your traditional jump scares and stuff like that. But no, it's just these weird clowns and just like these weird inventive ways that they use to s- snare people into their tr- cotton candy traps. It was just goofy and dumb. And I don't know. It's just fun. I just like it. It's just one of those movies where I just mentioned it and I get the weird look of like, what? Killer clowns in outer space. What the hell is that? And I'm like, Oh no, it's just a fun little horror film. It's yeah. It's very eighties. Very fun. I say it's a horror, but yeah, it's not really that much of a horror, but yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen it a handful of times. So it was kind of good to come back and revisit it. Yeah, that's uh, my earliest memory, Killer Constant in Outer Space. Just hearing the title and just knowing I'm going to have to see this movie someday. Thanks for sharing. You know, that leads right to my initial thoughts because you mentioned the title itself just a couple times. The title is fantastic. Extremely memorable. It's smart. It's a smart title for this film because what this film is and you really captured it. I thought you had a very nice summation of capturing the essence of what this film is. It's goofy. It's not scary. It's weird. It's strange. There was only one scare that I hoped I'll remember to mention that I had personally, and it's not a big one at all. It's very minor. I have very, like, I have certain takes on this, but yeah, it is fun. I, gosh, I mean, back to the title, okay. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So one take is it almost sounds old-timey, as if you knew absolutely nothing, that didn't know the year it came out, and you just knew the title alone, taken out of context, 
or you have no association with the title, you just hear that. You could go like, you could, I could hear like that old timey announcer voice in my head going, killer clowns from outer space. Yes. You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like back in the old black and white Flash Gordon days with starring Buster Crab, you know, those kinds of like, or it would be like a serial type of horror thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But then also knowing what it is, it is perfect for because of the campiness and the campy nature of this. Because initially, and I might, might be kind of stepping on our fun facts and trivia here, but it was entitled simply Killer Clowns, which would make you think it was a horror film. And they knew that they were like, no, that sounds too much like a slasher film title. So oh, we're yeah. going to go with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And that, again, really says it all. This is a goofy, campy, horror comedy movie. They knew what this movie was from the get. And the, the title had to match the content. So I just wanted to comment on, because you really made me think of it when you kept saying the title. So other initial thoughts. Well, Speaking of Killer Clowns, that's the theme song by a band called the Dickies. Yes. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll with this. Here are the lyrics. Here are some of the lyrics, I should say. P.T. Barnum said it so long ago. There's one Borny for every minute, don't you know? Some make us laugh, some make us cry. These clowns only gonna make you die. Everybody is running when the circus comes into their towns. Everyone is running from the likes of the killer clowns from outer space, killer clowns from outer space. Ringmaster shouts, let the show begin. Send in the clowns, then let them do you in. See a rubber nose on a painted face, bringing genocide to the human race. <laughs> it's time to take a ride on the nightmare merry-go-round. You'll be dead on arrival from the likes of the killer clowns from outer space. Killer clowns from outer space. Can you sing it for me, Bill? I, I want to hear you sing it, man. I can't remember how the tune goes, so I would not do a good job, to be honest. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners out there, do yourself a favor. It's easy to find on the World Wide Web. Killer Clowns by the Dickies. It's hilarious. I mean, the movie just starts right off. It's like it's 80s rock, you know, typical 80s rock and roll. It's cheesy and it's terrible. The lyrics are hilarious, which makes it awesome. So there's my first initial thought. It's great theme song. I'm going to have to interject with another fun fact. So do it, do it. Dickies who, you know, did this song and they did it without ever reading the movie or seeing a frame of the movie. They just got the title and just like, okay. And that's what they came up with. And it fits. It does fit. It fits oh, with the great. movie. It's great. That's, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a fun music video for him too. So if you get a chance, yeah, watch the music video. That's fantastic. Hey man, you know, during this segment, more for initial thoughts, as I say, this is kind of my like or our then and now segment. But I have no reference from then because I did not see this as a child. And I would have imagined if had I seen it as a child, having a, of course, normal fear of clowns, uh, this would have freaked me out. There's no doubt about it. But I saw it today. I saw it now as an adult. And my initial reaction was similar to the film critic. Leonard Maltin's reaction and or review, which was, wow, this is awful. This is terrible. This is a bomb is what Leonard Maltin called it. But then upon, as I let this one simmer, I got it. I I finally got it. And it was then I was more very much in line 
with your, again, summation of the film where it was like, this movie knows exactly what it is. It's purposefully campy and fun there. This is done with intent. They knew what they were doing and making with this movie. It wasn't as if they were trying to make the, the best horror movie. It was supposed to be silly. I mean, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be entertaining on a, on a certain level. And it's supposed, I mean, there's definitely a creep factor, right? A creepiness. Oh yeah. So it's not a good movie. Like but it still has its merits. It has its place. Like it is a great eighties horror comedy film. So that was the thing. It's like my initial, again, just to say that the, like my instinctual reaction is, wow, this isn't funny. This isn't scary. This is, uh, the performances are way over the top and, you know, just, I am like, what is this? I'm not. And then as it just kept going, I'm like, this is so ridiculous. This is beyond, like, they are asking a lot and that I applaud them for. They go for it. Like they committed to this. I was like, damn, this is funny. Just the fact that they even went for it. Like the, the, the concept is beyond. So my last initial thought was like, you had mentioned you saw this at 2 a.m. like on a premiere channel or whatever, like oh, yeah. and that's kind of where it belonged for you. Mm-hmm. For me, this is when I, if I were to, I could have seen myself as a child watching this movie when I was sick, as in, as if I were like home from school, f- had fallen ill. Okay. This is the kind of movie that would have been on. I swear to God, that's, Every time I was like home, homesick, it would be the strangest movie on HBO and it would have been like a fever dream. That's what this film is like to when I was watching. I'm like, yeah, this is exact kind of makes me a little nauseous. Like, I don't, this is so weird. There are elements of this movie with the clowns in the in their circus tent spaceship and the the set design. I'm going, this is like a really even creepier Willy Wonka set that's like what is going on here and I don't know how I feel it's making me a little sick to my stomach I'm like yep because this is something I definitely would have seen that would have made me even feel sicker when I was a kid (laughs) you know so yeah those are just some initial thoughts but I enjoyed this I I did enjoy it it's an easy watch it's only an hour and 24 minutes I think hour and 26 minutes something along those lines so quick watch and uh, I even sort of watched it again. I've watched it, I guess, one and a half times very quickly. And uh, there are rewatchable scenes for sure in sections of this movie. When you go back, I, I had a, even a deeper appreciation as I rewatching it and taking notes. I had a deeper appreciation immediately for what yeah. this movie is. And I totally understand the cult classic nature of it now. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. Watching this. What came to my head was if Roger Corman asked Tim Burton to make a movie for a million dollars about clowns, and this is what Tim Burton would have came up with. That's what it kind of reminded me of, because every time they were in the tent, oh, that's kind of like Tim Burton kind of imagery on Mm -hmm. a budget. And that's what it reminded That was like the best way I could describe it. It's like, you have 10 days to make this. And this is what he came up with. It's as if Tim Burton made a B movie. Yes. That, that's what I forgot to mention. It was that this, if you know, this is supposed to be a horror comedy, stressing comedy, and it's a B movie. This is a 
great B movie. Yes. Like they nailed the B movie nature of it. But I like your, yeah, the Roger Corman meets Tim Burton. Like that's a great, great analogy. Yeah. And then another movie really reminding me of, because the beats almost follow the same is if you watch either version of the blob, the 1950s Steve McQueen version or the eighties, which I hope we do at some point. uh, Came out the same year, the remake with yeah. uh, yeah. Kevin Dillon and Shawnee Smith. Right. And it's, Meteor, what we think is a meteor crashes. Old man goes out to find first one to discover it, meets his demise. Kids come upon and see what happens. They go to the police. The police don't believe them. Then all hell breaks loose. It kind of follow, it kind of followed the, the initial beats of the blob, and that was kind of neat too because you could really see their horror influences throughout the right. movie. Even like some of the zombie films where you know instead of shoot to the head, you shoot to the, you, you hit the nose. Right. A little bit of invasion of the body snatchers kind of. So it was really cool just catching, watching this and just seeing what influenced them to make this movie. So that was kind of neat too. Yeah. They're definitely paying homage. Oh yeah. To a lot of different uh, films. Yeah. Let's move on to our next segment, which is favorite scenes or moments. So what are some of our favorite scenes or moments from killer clowns from outer space? Yeah. I'm going to start with a favorite moment and I'm starting from the beginning when we have our college kids. This is very typical horror genre stuff. Our college kids are at a location called the top of the world and the top of the world is the makeout spot, right? It's lookout point basically. So they're drinking generic beer and the couples are up there making out and we are introduced to our protagonists, which are Mike Tobacco. Love that name. Yes. Even though I don't think they actually say his last name in the film, but that's what he's credited as. He's with his girlfriend, Debbie, and they're drinking champagne out of plastic glasses, making out in their inflatable raft in the back of the car. And then there's this shooting star that's like this blazing comet that goes across the sky. They go to investigate. It's a circus tent in the middle of forest. It's weird. That's weird. They investigate. And... What happens is there's other things that obviously happen in the beginning of the movie. I'm skipping to the good parts. We see the killer clowns. They make their appearance and the kids, that being Mike and Debbie, freak out and they run and the killer clowns give chase. Well, they make weapons basically out of their bag of tricks that clowns have. And one of them being a balloon animal in this sequence where this is one of my favorite moments because it creeped me the F out. The killer clown, one of them, makes a balloon animal, and it's a dog. And he puts it on the ground, and it has a leash. And the dog is alive. The balloon animal dog is alive. And you can hear it sort of barking and squeaking at the same time. And it's weird, man. And you know it's just a freaking balloon. It's a balloon animal. But you're like, because of the sound design, and which is weird and awful, but great, too, it just is so weird. So they give chase. So this dog is leading these two killer clowns through the forest, chasing these kids. And that's my first favorite moment. Cause I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay. We know. Okay. This movie is just when, now I know what this is. I, I got you. We just, we're watching a balloon animal dog chasing these kids. What's what's happening. I had the balloon animal dog down too. as one of my favorite moments. Cause uh, one of my previous jobs, I used to have to make balloon animals. This doesn't so. surprise me in the least Bill. This, it just doesn't. This is amazing. Please go on. (laughs) 
So, I, yeah, I used to be able to make tons of things, rabbits, elephants, giraffes, dogs, all that kind of stuff. So when I saw this, I was just like, that's just awesome. That's just awesome. It's not it's not that great of a dog, though. But the fact that it comes alive. Oh, God, that, that it cracked me up. I just I just thought that was great. But another part of that scene that you kind of mentioned in the beginning, which I thought was kind of smart, too, was when so Mike and Debbie see the tent and Mike's like, oh, let's go inside. You know, and Debbie's kind of hesitant about it. But you think about how many times you've seen a horror movie where it's like this awful house or a cave or something really scary. And you in the audience is like, don't go, don't in, go there. in there. Yeah. Don't go in there. But honestly, I see a circus tent like that. I'm probably going in. That's one oh, of the sure. one time I'm like, let's go check it out. And it's then you go alluring. in. Yeah, yeah, it is alluring. I'm like, that actually works. That is a reason. It looks neat. It's a, it's a tent. What harm could it do to you? And then when you walk in the first thing and it's all brightly lit and all these beautiful colors and you know mike's like let's go let's go let's go and debbie's just like no 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 no." i was like debbie yeah. what are you afraid of even i was like debbie come on right no it's a it's a circus tent get in there because there's no on. way you would think that the circus tent is an alien spaceship no even as yeah. random and strange it is to come upon a circus tent in the middle of nowhere in the middle of a forest right still you like how they think- flip yeah flip the yeah. script on this like make it uh, something appealing that you actually want to go into. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Get in there. Let's see what's in there. So I did like that. Yeah, I, I like that. And I, yeah, I definitely like the balloon dog. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm trying to decide between a couple of favorite scenes. I'm going to go to my first favorite scene. Okay. And it is sort of brief, but what ends up happening is that these killer clowns start taking over the town. They're running rampant through this small town of Crescent cove and they're using their basically they look like water guns like these goofy water pistols but they're ray guns that create cotton candy cocoons yes they put human beings into cotton candy cocoons that's what they're the guns do that they hold these killer clowns so they're going through town wreaking havoc and there's this great little scene where you watch one of these college kids, because there's, uh, we understand there's like a college campus that's nearby, but the kids are, this is a Friday night, so they're out and about in the town. And one of the kids kind of comes upon this gazebo, and in the middle of gazebo is a puppet show. And it's hand puppets. And I love this. It was funny. So it's like a male puppet. It's like a boy, like a boy with a little clown costume and a girl with a little clown costume. And they're kind of flirting. So if you can envision the listeners out there, like the two uh, hand puppets are kind of playing with each other. And it's not, it's nothing creep like creepy unto itself. It's just innocent enough. And this kid is like watching it, even though he seems fine with it, that in the middle of the night, there's just this puppet show in the middle of a gazebo that he just happens upon. He's like, oh, I'm just going to watch this puppet show that's here and, and, and uh, okay and he's like ha, 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 this is fun and then one of the puppets pulls out the act the one of the ray guns and literally pulverizes the female or hand pup, or i don't know which one one of the other hand puppets and i love this moment because the kid is like wow that was a cool effect and the the hand puppet with the ray, ray gun does the slow, creepy turn and points the gun at the kid. And the kid's like, uh-oh. And then you see one of the killer, actual killer clowns who's actually you know, manipulating the puppet. His head comes slowly up through the, the like little puppet show, the entire the box, the wooden box, and it 
all of course crumbles around him and he shoots the ray gun and turns the kid into a cotton candy cocoon. So I love that. It's a fun, quick scene, but that was one of the creepier moments for me is with this little clown hand puppet with a ray gun, slowly turning the gun on the kid in the gazebo. That scene too. I was like, why is this kid? all of a sudden entranced by a puppet show. I'm like, you're, you're a little over this. Come on, man. Yes. So I'm like, curiosity got, did you in? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but for me, um, there's a moment in there that I'd like too. So like I said, they, the clowns start descending upon the town and they're starting to take things over. And we have this one clown. He's literally walking down the street and he sees that people are coming the other way and he stops in front of a, like a drugstore in front of the yeah. drugstore. Like yeah. there's this monkey animatronic monkey. That's just kind of up down doing, you know, side to side. Right. So the clown just literally starts mimicking yeah. the monkey, just doing like these something, something like you would see at like a Disney world ride or something like that. Just hand up down side to side. And then two people come up and they just start looking at it like, ha, 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 that's so cute. Right. And then just kind of move on. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that was kind of smart. That was kind of smart. Oh, yeah. Disguising yourself in plain view. These alien clowns adapt quickly. Yes, they do. That was a little moment for me that I liked. Oh, it's a great moment. And uh, it's, it, again, just creepy. And for the listeners at home, if you have not seen Killer Clowns for Outer Space, just imagine clowns in full makeup, but they're like huge, as in well over six feet tall. There is one short clown, uh, which will lead into my next favorite scene, actually. But most of them are like, I don't like close to seven feet tall. They're like, they're just, they're big. They're like six and a half, seven feet tall around that. And they have just really creepy rubber prosthetic faces with creepy teeth and things like that. But the, the, the actual makeup effects are pretty cool and their eyes look kind of real. So, but anyway, yeah. So if you can envision that, it's just like these huge clowns wandering around town. That was a, that's a fun moment. But uh, so my next scene, my next favorite scene is what I'm calling the biker gang scene. Yes. And (laughs) we have our typical, like, I guess in this little, you know, quiet little town of Crescent Cove, there's a a local biker gang and, you know, they're just hanging outside some graffiti, you know, laden wall uh, back alley. Probably the one bad back alley in that whole town. This is the funny thing about this movie is that it really, like you said, there's not a lot of, uh, it's not that scary. If you read the graffiti, it's even tame. (laughs) The graffiti itself isn't even vulgar. It's just, it's just a strange movie. So you have this biker gang and they're this like rough and tumble group. And all of a sudden, here comes little short clown on his little like tricycle bike coming up the alley. And of course the bikers, these tough guys are all making fun of him and then the big bad biker guy comes out and confronts the little short clown uh, and says oh nice bike basically picks up the bike smashes it on the ground not very nice just a big bully and here's a great moment this short (laughs) clown just suddenly like vaults up into the air just like shoots straight up into the air and the biker guy's like where'd it go and then all of a sudden the clown comes back down to the ground and he's wearing boxing gloves and he starts juking around like, Hey, let's fight. Let's fight. And the biker's like, Oh, what are you going to do? Knock my block off. And all of a sudden poof, <laughs> short clown literally punches his head off of his body. 
and you see the head go flying into a garbage can. One of the biker ladies screams. It's hilarious. There's a moment actually earlier in the scene, one of my favorite moments in the scene, when the big biker bad guy approaches the little clown on the, his little trike and takes the bike and smashes it. There's a guy in the background that goes, you should have let the man ride his bike. <laughs> the way the way he says it is just funny. So it's a fun scene. And that's the one, like two scenes maybe where there's actual gore. Yeah. Because you see the big biker get decapitated, but that in itself is goofy. Oh, yeah. Because you got the, the head it's over the, the top. Oh, it's so over the top. And clearly then when you see the headless corpse fall to his, his knees and bend over backwards. Oh, the way he crumbles his legs. Is great. And is a total dummy, you know, it, but it still looks funny. And it's like this little clown just literally punched this guy's head off of his body. <laughs> so just so you know, Jason, that clown's name. Yes. Is Shorty. It, okay. Yeah, it is Shorty. Yeah, that's the, yeah it's the clown's name. And then I, the one thing I loved about that scene is when he gets his bike smashed and you just kind of hear him like whimper real quick. That's just great. Yeah. Yep. I thought that was great too. You're totally not expecting, like, you know, like, oh, this bike is in trouble. You're picking on the wrong dude. But just the fact that he just knocks his head off like that, that was definitely not expected. I thought for sure he'd just pull out a gun and shoot him, not knock his head off. So, yeah, yeah, that, was a, yeah. That, was, that was a fun little scene. Um, so that leads me to uh, the scene I remember most about this movie and that's the shadow puppet scene that's great yeah of course i get it so at this point mike and debbie went to the police and you know to try to tell them that there's these killer clowns here and of course they don't believe them and mike and the deputy i think it's dave that's correct you know they go out to the forest to see if the tent is there and of course it's not there so Oh, see, so you're just, you know, you're just making all this stuff up. But then when they go past the makeout point, that's when they notice everybody's gone. They find all the cotton candy. So now Dave believes Mike's and Debbie's story. Right. So they're heading back into town and they come upon a clown. And there's this group of people that are waiting for the bus. And for some reason, they're all like huddled really tight with each other waiting for the bus, which is <laughs> kind of weird. They're really hunkering down. Yeah, I know. I'm like at this like bench. That's very isolated on this wide open streets or sidewalk. It's very, it's clearly like a back lot, like thing. Yeah. Even in this day and age of social distancing, even before then, if you were at a bus stop with a bunch of people, no one stands this close to each other. But anyway, one of the clowns shows up and there's a brick wall that's behind him and it's lit. And the clown starts doing these cool shadow puppets. Right. And he starts off little bunny. And everyone's like, oh, that's really cool. And then it's hilarious because he's just like, you literally just see the clown just kind of wiggling its fingers at the screen. But these (laughs) elaborate shadow puppets come up. Like one is like, um, I think Washington's crossing against across the Delaware and the water's going and stuff like that. You see the ships, the the actual ship with several people on board yeah, and a flag. Yeah. And then he does the last one, which is like a T-Rex. Right. And... All of a sudden, T-Rex gets really angry, and the shadow literally comes down to the group of people and eats them, eats them in the shadow. It was awesome. I love that. That was cool. I was like, "That's that was really inventive. I thought that was really neat. But yeah, that, that was the scene that always stuck out with me about this movie, the shadow puppet scene. That's just great, because it's so 
freaking ridiculous. And then like it's so ridiculous. Yeah. But then, it is very creative. Yeah. Very creative. Dave and Mike, Officer Dave and Mike are across the street watching this because at first Dave's like, all right, let me see that this is true or not. And then Mike just shuts. They just ate the people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is hilarious because doesn't Mike grab the wheel of the. Yeah. The, and then tries to run right over the like, clown. And, yep. Yeah. And then they hit the wall. Mm-hmm. And Dave is like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, well, I just freaked out, man. Mike definitely does a little bit of overacting in this throughout the film, which is oh boy. pretty funny. Yes. Ooh, our guy Grant. Yeah, he goes for it. Yeah, let's just give him credit, right? Grant Kramer plays Mike Tobacco. Yeah, he's chewing up the scenery in this one. So good call, shadow puppet scene for sure. I want to talk about Officer Mooney a little bit. Go Curtis Mooney, played by the great John Vernon, one of our great character actors, did everything under the sun, a lot of stuff, a lot of TV throughout the 70s. He worked a lot even before this film and then plenty after and did a lot of voice acting too. He has a great voice. Yes. Uh, the, the quote I did from the opening was uh, actually two quotes I put back to back that were from Officer Mooney, played by John Vernon. So he just plays an out and out bad guy in this. He's in like a, an abusive dickhead of a cop. Yes. In this. And he works alongside Deputy Dave in this, uh, the Crescent Cove Police Department. So he's great, immediately recognizable. And there's a great moment. This is one of my favorite moments is this is how you know he's a bad guy. If you didn't already know he was bad, they cut to him as sitting by himself in the police department reading a magazine, and he just goes, <laughs> does his little evil laugh, turns the page, and you can see immediately he's reading like a guns and ammo magazine. Oh, yeah. That's what he's laughing at. Like he's reading an article from guns and ammo and have a good laugh about it. You're like, wow, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> and it's way over the top. It's like a caricature, right? But speaking of, we know this guy's got to die, Right. And he's going to have, he has no, yeah. to have a good death because they're really setting him up as a real asshole cop in this movie, uh, in this movie. So I'm going to go to my next favorite scene, which has to be, I call him tall clown. Maybe Bill, you know his name, but there's a tall clown that goes into the police department and approaches officer Mooney. Mooney thinks he's just like a, a one of the teenagers or one of the college kids playing a prank on him. But uh, that is not the case. And a couple of scenes go by, but we cut to Deputy Dave comes back to the police department and he's looking for Officer Mooney. He kind of looks around and he sees that there are these giant clown footprints all over the police department. He follows the footprints back to the jail cells where he finds a couple of these cotton candy cocoons. He's like, oh, a couple of people met their demise, which we know are the college kids from earlier in the movie. But where is Officer Mooney? So Deputy Dave goes back out into the office area. And there's a great, this is a great shot because you have this big, tall, creepy clown sitting in a chair, but his back is facing the camera. And he slowly spins around in his chair. And Deputy Dave looks at him and he's like, what the hell? And then this tall clown picks up Officer Mooney as a puppet. He's using Officer Mooney as a puppet. So Officer Mooney has been killed. The tall clown 
literally has his hand shoved into the back of Officer Mooney and is operating him like a human puppet. Yes. And in this film, we hear, hear these killer clowns speak their alien language, which is like a kind of sounds like auto-tune alien language, like, and it's very strange and off-putting. So now with this clown who is using Officer Mooney as a human puppet, it's almost as if you're hearing that strange modulated alien language, but it's he's speaking through Officer Mooney, and it's super creepy. And this is where I think John Vernon is actually quite good because we know it's him actually acting, but his face is painted like a clown and he is being puppeted by this killer clown. And he looks at Deputy Dave and says, don't worry, Dave, all we want to do is kill you. It's great. And then the killer clown pulls his hand out of his back and you just hear this And Officer Mooney then just falls, slumps to the floor, dead. No more puppeting. Killer Clown stands up to go approach Deputy Dave. And Dave pulls his revolver, starts firing at the clown, and then takes careful aim and shoots the clown in the nose, blowing his nose off his face. And that, of course, is the clown's weak spot. And... Just as Bill Bant had alluded to earlier, like with zombies, you know, you got to shoot them in the head, right? Well, with the clowns, you got to shoot them in the nose, as it turns out. And this tall clown then does this weird kind of supernatural spinning around thing and explodes. We're like, okay, Deputy Davis saved the day momentarily. So I love that scene just because that's one of the creepier scenes with the tall clown, as I'm calling him, using Officer Mooney as a human puppet. I like that scene. And Actually, that scene kind of fell into my complaint department, too, because I actually wanted a little bit more with Vernon as the whole ventriloquist. Because right here's a moment where we can kind of get some answers about why the clowns are here. Like, I, you know, I don't want it to get too deep, but just maybe one or two questions that he tries to ask the clowns about why they're here, why they're doing what they're doing. Just, sure. because, just because that performance was creepy. Like I wanted oh, to hear completely. a little bit more of that. And that's the thing too. Like when you see the clown pull the hand out, like his hands all bloody. All so, bloody. you know, it's, he's, yeah, it's, it's literally stuck up there. So that's kind of gross, but I just, I was like, Oh, just, just ask him a question or two about like, what are you doing here? What do you want from us? And it doesn't have to give us a little answer, but I just love the way he was performing as the puppet that I wanted to hear him do like another creepy line or two before the clowns like, yeah, enough of this. Oh, absolutely. That's a great point. And it's a good complaint to have. It's a great point. And uh, you put it more succinctly. It is a, a ventriloquist act that this clown is doing with Officer Mooney. But yeah, again, uh, and it is one of the two like slightly gory moments in the film. The first we mentioned with the biker scene, the guy's head gets punched off his head and body. And then in this scene with the clown pulling his hand out of Mooney's back is all bloody. But that's really it for the gore, I think, for in this movie. But yeah, it would have been cool because, as you said, again, just shout out to John Vernon acting as a human puppet in the scene. He does a really good job with his head movements, like he's jerking around, like he's actually being oh, yeah. controlled from inside somehow. He does some smirking, like weird facial expressions and things. He's quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would have been cool, yeah, to actually have Dave have a conversation with the clown and get a little more uh, information. So we had a little more background as to why the clowns were there. 
And if you don't recognize the name John Vernon, Animal House, Dean Warmer, that's who John Vernon is. So once you hear the voice too, you know right away who it is. And I thought, I thought you did a pretty good laugh with him. You said you did sound like him. I was like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was just doing a they, creepy laugh, but you're taking over the impression mantle. Right, right. <laughs> Never. You are the man when it comes to that. But you know what? I know John Vernon best from is Mr. Big from I'm going to get you, sucker. Oh, wow. <laughs> My big guy. Oh, hilarious. He's classic. Wow. Classic. Yeah, you're pulling one out there. Just another shout out for a favorite moment at the end scene when we meet JoJo Clownzilla. Clownzilla. Yes. Because I thought they actually did some pretty good miniature work at that point. Yeah. So there's a scene at the end of the movie where, and we've kind of mentioned the brothers really briefly. Tanzini brothers? Am I saying that right? Terenzi brothers? Terenzi. Yeah, the Terenzi brothers. So the Terenzi brothers. Rich and Paul Terenzi. Yes, who are friends of Mike, who at the end try to come and help. There's a scene where they're all trapped in the um, clown spaceship. And the, the brothers own an ice cream truck. And they drive the ice cream truck into the spaceship, basically create a hole to save Mike, Dave, and Debbie. And the clown attacks the truck. And I thought that was actually pretty good with the miniature yeah, effect. Because you good. can see it's a, a guy in a suit at that point, and he's attacking the truck. And I was like, wow, that actually looks pretty good. And then, you know, they're doing the cuts of the two brothers that are stuck in the truck, and they're shaking the truck back and forth. And then the clown literally picks up the truck and throws it in the other side of the, the ship, and then the truck blows up. Right. And I actually thought, yeah, for a low-budget B-movie, I was impressed with those special effects. So I had to give a shout out to them on that one. There's That was actually pretty good. I was like, no, it works. It's believable enough that I feel like he actually picked up the truck and threw it across the room. Absolutely. I did like that. This could be a good moment to just give a quick shout out to the director and producer and writers. I mean, they're all brothers. Yep. You had pronounced it Kyoto, which sounds much better. I thought it was Kyoto, but I guess that's what I thought it was too. I had to look online and just okay. hear him do interviews, and that's what everyone kept saying. So if if I've been mispronouncing it, I'm, I apologize. It's what other people were saying online. So we'll go with Kyoto, but they are known for their ability with the effects, the practical effects, and puppetry, yeah. and it's it shows that they know what they're doing when it comes to that. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and again, stepping on fan facts and trivia, some of the research, that final sequence with Jojo Clownzilla, they initially wanted to be, was it stop motion animation they wanted yeah. to do with that? And they couldn't afford it. And they had to revert back to actually what was their skill set. Yeah. And one of the brothers, the producer, because uh, it was directed by Stephen Kyoto, but Charles Kyoto, one of the writers, actually and producers, I believe, but uh, was in the suit, actually, was then Jojo. Yeah, I knew it was, yeah, was one of the brothers. I can't remember which one. Yeah, and so all that stuff does look great, actually, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because especially when he picks up the truck, it still looks like an actual truck, like he actually picked up the truck. Oh, yeah. It doesn't really even look like, it's not an obvious miniature. No, it's not obvious. Like, you know it's a miniature, but it doesn't look like a manager no it looks pretty cool when yeah. especially when he picks it up and throws it it looks mm-hmm. like it has weight to it yeah just wanted to give them a shout out because they they definitely have a, a skill set and they're good at it with the mm-hmm. with all the makeup effects practical effects the puppetry etc so yeah good call man 
I liked a lot of the stuff they had done. This is just, I'm going to go over really quickly a few of my other favorite moments because, you know, I'd mentioned some of the set design, production design earlier with the, we talk about the circus tent, which is the actual clown spaceship. You know, we have all these cotton candy, um, like cocoons that are hanging up and down and like a, a big thing of popcorn that's popping and all these levers that, that can be pulled and all these things. So the production design, very cool. But in the actual town, when the clowns are taking over, they're moving down the street at one point. There's a group of them and they have like this vacuum car oh, that's yeah. sucking up all the cotton candy cocoons that are lying in the middle of the street. That was kind of cool. That was kind of crazy and eerie. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, there's a fun moment when uh, our protagonists, uh, Mike, Debbie, and Dave, go to there's they actually have a theme park there, and that, of course, appropriately, that's where now the circus tent, the alien clown ship, has placed itself amidst this theme park. There's a security guard that's standing outside of the like oh, the yeah. funhouse area, and the clowns pull up in none other than a clown car. So they really do play upon every aspect of, you know, everything that clowns do, right? Or the circus thing. And it's just a fun moment. I just like, I'm like, oh, of course, you got to have a clown car where it's like tiny, tiny car and these huge clowns all climb out of it, right? Yeah. Like, how do they all fit in there? It's a classic bit. And then another nice gross moment uh, with the cotton candy cocoons that we know that they're human beings that are basically kind of melting or uh, decomposing, if you will, inside these cocoons. One of the clowns towards the end sticks a giant twisty straw into one of them. Oh, yeah, the silly straw. That was yeah. the coolest silly straw I've ever seen in my life. It is. Shout out to that silly straw, man. Yes. Because that twisty straw, he sticks it into the cocoon and starts sucking on it. It's like sucking out the human carcass juices. It's nasty. Yes. But we get at we get it at that point. It's like, Oh, that's what it is. They're feeding off of yeah, harvesting human, everyone. Yep. Humans. That's their sustenance. And then uh fun moment, climatic moment when Jojo Clownzilla grabs Dave, picks him up, and brings him as if he's about to like eat him, it looks like. But Dave pulls his deputy badge off of his shirt and uses the pin from the badge to pop the clownzilla's nose. In effect, destroying Clownzilla. Great moment. It's just like, it's ridiculous, but it's awesome. Oh, I know. So that was just another favorite moment. But that's it for me, favorite scenes and moments. Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So let us move on to our next segment, which is Swiss Cheese and Complaint Department. Why do we call it Swiss Cheese? 
Because although this movie is delicious, it does have holes. And if it doesn't fall under Swiss cheese, we just file a complaint with the complaint department. So, Jason, you and I talked about this before about Swiss cheese. Yeah. We didn't really have anything. Which is you are correct, sir. We have no holes. We have a lot of balloons in this movie, just not a lot of holes because we know this premise is ridiculous and we're going with it. Yeah, so it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. The movie does like, I think we mentioned, uh, I mentioned this to you before we began was that it moves in a linear fashion. Um, it makes sense in a crazy way. Uh, there's no real like, Oh, you can't just go, Oh, that would never happen. You know, kind of thing. Right, yeah. Or because this is all fantastical. So yeah, it's just clowns come to earth to harvest people for food. That's it. What what holes can you find in it? I yeah. don't know. Not complicated. No. Um, but I do have some complaints to issue. Yeah, we might have some complaints. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I got a couple myself. <laughs> I'm just gonna briefly mention the top of the world. The makeout point, the lookout point where our college kids are having some fun on their dates. Uh, when Jojo, the ice cream clown, comes in on the top of the Terenzi, is it? The, I want to say their names right. The Terenzi brothers show up in their ice cream truck. Uh, truck. It's Jojo, the ice cream clown. One of the Terenzi brothers is speaking over uh, like an intercom, making an announcement. And it's just this whole gross, like, lick on lick a stick. Oh, yeah. announcement that he's making over the loudspeaker mm-hmm. coming from the, the truck. And I get it where it's like in these 80s horror comedies and, or even just horror films, it's a trope, a common trope that the kids are having sex and they're doing their thing and they're goofing around and it's all that. But they really play into it. It's just kind of it's kind of gross. I don't know. It was like because they're they're making sexual innuendos and euphemisms. Uh, I don't have the quote here, but um over the loudspeaker and it was just that was a bit much i was like oh jesus christ here we go yeah these fucking guys uh so i'll just move on past jojo the ice cream clown on top of the ice cream truck driven by the Trenzy brothers to our protagonists mike and debbie making out on an inflatable raft what who wait so is it supposed to be romantic? Like they were like, kind of, we're going to go to the top of the world and make out at the back of our car and like with the tailgate down and it'll be like, we're camping under the stars. Like, but they're on a, what's going on there, Bill? Why are they on an inflatable raft? Jason, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, what the fuck is up with the raft? Luckily in the research, I did find it because there is a scene where they cut out where Debbie asks him, why do you have this raft in your car? And supposedly there's a story about Mike and the Terenzi brothers going out on the raft and something happens and Mike's dad gets really pissed that they use uh, something with the raft. So Mike hides it in the car. Oh, wow. That's why he keeps, he's hiding it from his dad because I guess he's not supposed to have it or something happened when they went rafting. So he explains it, but they cut it out because they're just like, it brings nothing to the movie. Right. But yeah, I was the same as you. I was like, what? the hell is the deal with the raft that may, that was just weird well there's a couple of things just that are similar because the, i have another complaint uh i'll get to it in a minute that is also explained by a deleted scene okay so that happens in this movie a couple of times all right i have a complaint about that scene too like 
when they're on the raft and he does that first kiss, mm-hmm. like the way he grabs her hair. Oh yeah. <laughs> when that he's was on the, top like, of her. Yeah. That was the weirdest <laughs> kiss. And it's like a second long. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I almost thought for a second, is he laying on top of a dummy? Because yeah. he, the way he grabs her head with both hands, like as if he's going to crush her skull while he's making out with her. Yeah, it's either going to pull her hair off, head off, or crush it. Yes, or that's, he's going to try and smash his face into hers. Literally, like he wants to become one with her head. Like I don't know what he's doing there. I'm like, uh, that's not proper making out technique. Not at all. Sorry, Mike, you are not a good kisser. Not sexy. No, not at all. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I'm glad you saw that too, because I was just totally, like, totally. I'm like. What Ew. is that? Because he, he makes it like there's going to be a long makeout scene and he just rolls on top of her, grabs her head, does yeah. like one, like two second kiss and then rolls off. I, if I were Debbie, I would have been like, Mike, stop grasping my skull yeah. while you're kissing me. Stop trying to palm my head like a basketball with both hands. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Yeah, that was weird. I love when Mike and Debbie walk into the circus tent for the first time and mike is all excited and he's actually kind of trying to be romantic and goofy and there's some fun lines in here but they then see a couple of doors that are like oh you know and mike just walks up to one of them and they each they have these random like squeezable buttons Mm -hmm. on the side and then mike just goes beep boop boop and hits the right combination on the first try and the door just slides open oh yeah like what okay and then speaking of which, I love, love, love the fact that they get into the interior of the ship. And this is where they see they, they enter this hangar where it's all of these cotton candy cocoons hanging in like an assembly line sort of fashion. Yeah. And Mike pretends it's all fucking normal. It's oh, yeah. hilarious to me. And it's great because they know that, though, there is some smart stuff in the writing because Debbie is like, no, this is not normal. Right. Yeah. But he still goes with it. And he literally says this his line is, This looks like a cotton candy factory to me. Yeah. This must be where they hang it up to dry before they ship it out. What? <laughs> and then literally Debbie says a second later, Nobody stores cotton candy like this. I'll be honest, I don't know how they manufacture cotton candy. So I don't know. Who's right? But it's the funny that I have a conversation about it. Like, oh, yeah, when they make cotton candy, they do this. I don't think I've this ever seen it. Yeah, this must be what a cotton candy factory looks like in the middle of a circus tent in the middle of the forest. Yeah, Mike, this that's exactly what this is. Idiot. It's hilarious, though. But the fact that she calls him out on it almost makes it OK. Yeah. But it's still a complaint because he's such a moron. All right. So keep, for me, yeah, keep, go ahead, man. Please right. go. Go. Your turn. So this is a running complaint throughout the movie. Okay. We really haven't, like we've talked about these clowns, but we really haven't described for our audience. Like if you haven't seen these clowns, like you would know if you saw one of these clowns, there is something <laughs> off about these clowns. Really wrong. Yes. Yeah. You could be down the street and you would see one of these and you're like, I need to turn and go the other way. But every time, every time, a person sees one of these clowns. They smile like they're happy to see these clowns. I could see if you take like Pennywise from it, like when you first see him, he kind of looks like a normal clown. Mm-hmm. 
No, these clowns, you know right away. <laughs> there is something off with these clowns. You should not be near these clowns at all. But all these townsfolk, every time, they just start smiling. They just start, oh, look, a clown. And they just get suckered right in. I'm like, no. If I saw one of these, I am running. I am running. They are spooky. They are. They are extremely spooky, especially like not. Okay. First of all, the faces are extremely like wrinkled and grayed in like color. Their eyeballs are like glossy and different colors and almost fluorescent. And they move. The the, the makeup effects are great, mm-hmm. but they literally, I mean, they look like clowns from a horror movie. Yes. That's what they look like. Yeah. And they're walking around and they're huge. Like they're larger than normal. They're not, they don't look like humans inside of, I mean, we know they're humans and actors inside, but they don't, I don't know. Um, the bottom line is the only way it would work is if it were Halloween. Right. People would be like, oh, look, cool costumes, guys. Like you guys, wow. But on a normal Friday night in Crescent Cove, you got a group of these freaking clowns. No, no, you don't just go, Nobody ever questions them. Right. And then the thing is, like you mentioned, it was a great uh, comparison to uh, Pennywise because Pennywise looks innocent enough as a clown until he opens his mouth. Yeah. And that's the same thing with these clowns. They have obviously disgusting, sharp teeth. Yes. Like they have huge, awful looking jaws. Yeah. So it's a dead giveaway. Again, just got a bunch of idiots in Crescent Cove yep. walking around. They all deserve it. They all deserve cotton candy cocoon. Speaking, going back to the uh, cotton candy assembly line, or uh, sorry, according to Mike, the cotton candy factory. Yes. Um, so one of the clowns comes in and Mike and Debbie have to hide behind, you know, some of the cocoons. And as it, toward the end of the scene, Mike looks at one of the cocoons and he sees someone he recognizes and he's like, Joe Lombardo. Cause it's Joe Lombardo is the one in the cocoon. You can see the guy's face and it's gross. And uh, immediately I'm like, who the fuck is Joe Lombardo? Did I miss something? We don't know. Joe Lombardo. And they, here's, because I had to look up who Joe Lombardo was too. So they kind of screwed up that, that scene was supposed to be earlier in the film where the clown drives the car off the, the cliff and he dies and becomes a cocoon. For some reason, they flopped it to later, like three scenes later from when he actually, we find him dead. Right. So, yeah. Bad editing choice. It was just weird because I don't know, Mike and Debbie, you know, we see the old man, farmer Gene Green is in a cocoon because we saw that earlier in the film that he gets killed by the one of the killer clowns. But I mean... Mike literally calling out saying Joe Lombardo. And we're like, like his full name. Like yep. we're supposed to know who he is. It was just so random. It was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, I almost put this in as one of my favorite scenes is this is very typical creepy clown stuff with one of the bigger clowns is hanging out the big top burger joint. And we have all the moms inside gathered around oh, chatting yeah. and the little girl is with the moms. The little girl looks out the front window of the burger joint and sees the clown out there. And she smiles and the clown starts doing this thing with his hand where he starts uh, motioning the little girl to come towards him. Very creepy. 
Yeah. This is actually really a, a, a cr- genuinely creepy moment because the music shifts here. For most of this film, the soundtrack is a pounding synthesizer over the top cheesy sound soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to be that. But in this moment, the music actually shifts to a very eerie, like string sound. And the camera pans across the moms and it pans over to this chair and the girl is gone. And the girl has gone to the front door and the clown is this giant clown is outside still motioning her with his finger, like saying, come here, come here. And the girl opens the door and the clown is about to lean down. And at the last moment, the mom's like, Hey, little girl, you know, so-and-so come back inside. You have to finish your food before you go anywhere, basically. And saving her at the last minute. And once again, anybody see the huge fucking clown outside? Did you not see the clown? Even when the mom goes to retrieve the girl, there's an enormous, creepy fucking clown outside that almost just kidnapped and killed your little girl. He's obvious. He's standing right outside the front window and they're all inside. Everybody can see. How do you not see the clown? Yeah, that scene is kind of a big tonal shift, too, because that is very scary about like kidnapping kids. And there is a shot where you see that the clown has like a giant mallet behind Right. Back. Was, like yeah. he just yeah, like swing he and just like yeah. wham. Yeah, he was gonna crush that little girl. That was a darker, that's a darker moment in the film. Yeah. But that's like, yeah, that's total worst case scenario right there. That's like creepy mm-hmm. cre- that's the creepy shit. Yeah. Yeah, but I was just like, guys, anybody want to look out the window? You know what it reminds me of? Adventures in babysitting. Oh yeah. You know, it's just like the little girl's right outside the window, crawling on the in the on the high rise. It's the 42nd floor. Yep. And how do you not see the girl on the window? Yeah. How do you outside the, the window. Yeah. Giant cloud. Out. Yep. I totally agree. How do you not see that clown outside? Random comparison for you guys. All right. So we kind of gave away the ending with uh, Officer Dave defeating the Jojo, the clownzilla. And the spaceship explodes. And you think, oh, okay, everything's better and happy an- ending. Jason, the whole townsfolk was still in that spaceship and cocooned. They're all dead. There's no one left in that town. They just killed everybody. <laughs> Not that I think they would have been able to save them anyway, because it seems like once you get cocooned, you start decomposing or whatever. So they might have been dead to begin with. But yeah, they technically really offed off them when that spaceship blew up. And we saw there were hundreds, hundreds. Oh, yeah. Of those cotton candy cocoons. So I was like, not such a happy ending after all. Oh, it's no. Yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah, it's basically it's clearly upsetting. Now, what that brings me, yeah, to another complaint because it's more of a question, really. I guess is that why not? Okay, we have most of the townsfolk are cocooned, right? Correct. But then some of them are put in balloons, and that's what they do to Debbie when they kidnap the clowns. Go for Debbie. They kidnap her. They. I thought it was a big bouncy ball. Right. Yeah. (laughs) They put Debbie in there. And my first thing was I wrote it right down. Like, why not kill Debbie? Why are they There's Some of them they put inside of these balloons. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why do they do that when they're cocooning everybody else? I couldn't really find anything. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There was, I couldn't find a definitive answer on that. That was one of the the things. It was like, are they going to use them for breeding? Because we, we do find some female clowns at some point in the film Mm. but do they make like were they going to make debbie a female clown i don't know 
Yeah, that made no sense to me too. So a couple of things. Debbie should have died anyway because she would have suffocated. Right, because it even sounds like when they yeah free her, they pop pop open the the balloon and she falls out. She's like, oh, I couldn't breathe. I'm like, yeah, you should be dead. You should have been. There was enough oxygen there. Right, and also that just to your point, Bill, is that when the ship explodes at the end, and let's say, yeah, maybe the townsfolk that were in the the candy cocoons were dead already. Well, there were still people in the balloons. Yeah, so that were alive, like Debbie was. So now you just killed all of them. And they yeah. were alive because apparently it takes a long time to suffocate those things. Anyway, speaking of horrible deaths, death by pie. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Our poor security guard guy mm-hmm. just gets pounded by pies. Well, the, fa- the fact that he just stands there and takes it. But what? how do you get killed by pies to the face? It was acid, just, it was hilarious. They're acid pies. Oh, are they? Is that yeah, what it is? They're acid pies, yeah. Oh, okay. But not that he was screaming or yelling about it. He just stood there and just kept getting hit by pies. I was He's, like, yeah, um, he took yeah. it like a champ. Can you let the audience know? He's like, if you got to go, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, but going back, going back to that Debbie scene in the, in the balloon. All right, I got I to say this too, because there is a scene where Mike and Dave go to try to find her in the ship and they're, and they're searching through the cotton candy cocoon facility. And they can't find her. And then the clown comes in to, you know, drain one of the things. And like the balloon is like literally right behind them. You could see it there in the shot with them. I'm like, Debbie's right there. Oh, yeah. Just, just turn your head. Debbie's right there. How right. do you not see Debbie? She's right there. <laughs> Save Debbie. She's running out of air. Save her. I'm too busy watching the damn clown. It's like, come on, guys. They could have killed her too. Yeah. That's, I think all I have. Uh, to issue with the complaints department. All right. So my last complaint is just about the Terenzi brothers. What? They're not hilarious? Yeah, exactly. They are not funny at all. I know they're supposed to be comic relief. They didn't do a a damn thing. No, they're awful. They're awful. They should have died at the end. There's no way they survived. Their stuff was very sticky. You know, it was and it's just their stuff wasn't very well written. It wasn't no, funny. it wasn't. Because they're supposed to be these, yeah, like you said, comic relief, a little slapsticky, but also just kind of sticky, like two brothers that are always, they're just like fighting brothers. Just They're not the Stork twins. That's all I got to no. say. <laughs> not even close. They're on the opposite side of the spectrum. Uh, good call. Good call. Yeah. Terenzi brothers didn't quite so, work. Yeah, they should have died. Although I, I'm going to, uh, here's one moment that I'm going to shout out is that when they, this is a weird moment that I didn't like at all. Okay. Is they seem to like fall through a trap door and into one of the ball pits. Yeah. Ball pits. Those scare the hell out of me, Bill Bant. Do they really? I have a fear of, because I've been in those things and inevitably you kind of get overwhelmed with all the balls and you fall, you're like at the bottom. And I've always had a fear of suffocating at the bottom of those damn oh. pits. It's like, have you ever been like in foam pits? It's the same thing. Right. I'm always struggling to stay at the top of those things. Inevitably, like you just kind of get swallowed by the foam mm-hmm. and you're just like, I'm going to die in this foam pit. This is like a, the weirdest. It's going to be the most core, like comfortable and horrific death at the same time. I used to love those as a kid, the ball pits. But now I'm an adult, and then I just think about how gross those things probably are. <laughs> now I'm just like, nope, couldn't pay me to jump in one of those now. 
but before I'd be, I'd be the one diving to the bottom and like pretending I'm swimming through it. And oh God, God knows yeah. what kind of bacteria or what uh, I would have found down there. Oh yeah. Now I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, they give me the willies now. Yeah. And the scene is off putting because we have two killer clowns sitting on the edge of the ball pit as if it's a hot tub. Yes. You can kind of hear the bubbling noise in the I sound. thought that was kind of funny. It was kind of funny. But what's super off-putting is that these two killer clowns grow breasts. Yes, they that was grow, weird too. They have like inflatable boobs that blow up. And then the Terenzi brothers, of course, are like, oh. Yeah. Are you uh, going to be enticed? Yeah. yeah. Are you Debbie's Maybe. roommates? No, no, stop it. That's gross. Yeah. And you find out later that they make out with them because then they have clown lipstick oh my god faces. i didn't put that together that's why yeah that's totally why i never i didn't even of course it, yes it's, you're better off not Jesus sorry god. sorry i brought that to light oh you just implanted nightmares for me later thank you there you go there's another scary moment then <laughs> all right let's let's move on uh the terenzi brothers i'm sorry all right, so uh, next segment is, hey, it's that actor. So in this segment, we spotlight a character actor you have seen in many other films, an actor making their big screen debut, or an actor that makes an uncredited cameo. It's, hey, it's that actor. Should I go first on this one? Or should- yeah, go for it. Okay, because we might have the same one. I don't know. All right. So uh, for my, hey, it's that actor, he was making his big screen debut in Killer Cons from Outer Space. And that is Christopher Titus, who played Bob McBreed. We see him in the beginning of the film walking by um, Officer Mooney, drinking the generic beer. And when we say generic beer, it's generic because it's literally a white can that says beer on the side of it, which I thought was pretty funny. Awesome. And then, yes, then we uh, see him again up in uh, the makeout point with his girl, and uh, then again, later in the movie, all we find out is his car's been cotton candied and we find his glasses inside. And that's when Officer Dave realizes that Mike and Debbie have been telling the truth about the clowns. So um, Christopher Titus um, is a stand up comedian. If you've ever read about his home life growing up, it is certainly crazy. I mean, if you think you have yeah. family problems, read about Christopher Titus's life growing up and um, he made it into a series that was on Fox for like two years called Titus. And he wrote all of that and it's based on his family life. But yeah, that was his debut. I did not recognize him at first. Good call. That was also my, Hey, it's that actor. That was my first choice because Ah. I am a Titus fan. Uh, You nailed it. I didn't, I recognized him as a, Hey, who like I, when he, first appears with the generic beer. I was like, this guy looks familiar, uh, but I didn't put it together until I actually was looking through the credits. And But I'm a fan. When I really have enjoyed his stand-up, I mm-hmm. used to listen to, uh, whether it was on XM Sirius or on disc or whatever it was, I really liked his storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has some great, great... Because sometimes, you know, it's truth is stranger than fiction. And just like you said, his home life, I mean, he is very transparent. And uh, he is one of those people that makes you feel better about your problems because again, you just learn to take, not take life too seriously. And he did very well for himself and just, you know, and he's still, 
his writing and doing specials and things like that. But mm-hmm. funny guy, funny yeah. guy, funny, funny, talented guy. Very likable. I've always liked him. Yeah, because he's like in one of the first early shots of the film. And the way they shot him, I'm like, oh, okay. So he's got to show up at some point later on. And then for some reason, I didn't realize it was him later on until I went back and watched it again. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, I totally missed that the first time. There he is. Okay, he is up there with the group. And that's who glasses we find later on. So 0 for 2 on that one. Yeah, uh, Christopher Titus. Chris Titus. So I... Is it, hey, it's that actor. I'm just going to give a shout out to farmer Gene Green, who meets his demise very early in the film. He's the old man who's got the farm and the barn, the cabin out there in the woods, and he's got his dog, Pooh Bear. Yeah. His dog, who he likes to call Bring him. back my Pooh Bear! <laughs> and the actor portraying farmer Gene Green is Royal Dano. Cool name. Yes. This guy's IMDb credits go back to 1943. Did so much television. I would recommend looking up his IMDb. It's fantastic. Some of the classics. He was in the Rawhide TV series. A lot of Western. A lot, mm-hmm. He goes back to a lot of Western stuff. Legend of Jesse James TV series. Uh, he was in the Virginian television series. Lost in Space television series. He had an appearance. Bonanza. So just, I mean, the guy's done it all. And um, and unfortunately, RIP, uh, Royal Dano is no longer uh, with us, but just a really, really well-established actor, character actor. And another fun fact and trivia shout out here is that John Vernon, who plays Officer Mooney and Royal Dano, my, hey, it's that actor who portrayed Farmer Gene Green, both appeared in the film, The Outlaw, Josie Wales, in 1976, together. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. And I kid you not, just days ago, I have never seen The Outlaw, Josie Wales. I started watching it. Just oh, no way. Yeah. And I'm an Eastwood fan. I'm a Western fan. And I'd never seen that film. So I'm like, I need to watch this movie. I came across that on Netflix. And then, sure enough, we have both of these actors, John Vernon and Royal Dana, in The Outlaw, Josie Wales, Clint Eastwood, classic. Um, so I also just want to give a quick shout out to Suzanne Snyder, who plays Debbie in this, as you may remember, Bill Bant. Yes. She was my she, as an actor. That's right. She's uncredited as the cheerleader from The Last Starfighter. Yes. And, she and she's played Deb. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. And you know, you got it, man. We in weird it's, science. Weird science, yeah. And here's another little, a little little bit from one of our most very recent. Oh, yeah. I was surprised by this one. Go ahead. Yeah. She plays the nurse in the soap opera in the movie. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. It's the soap opera that Chun is a fan of. One of the only good things American culture has to offer is the soap opera. And she plays the nurse within in the soap opera in the movie. So shout out to Susan. I couldn't believe we missed that. When we did uh, Remo Williams. Yeah. I have to say this. Deb's hair in this movie wasn't doing it for me. Did not like it. Attractive lady. Yeah. The the hairstyle wasn't doing her many favors. No, it was not. It was yeah, very 80s hair. Very, very 80s hair. All right. So moving on to facts and trivia. Do we have any facts and trivia left for Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Yeah, right. Here's a little bit. 
The popcorn gun used by the clowns in the film, which included a compressor that would allow the weapon to actually propel prop popcorn, popcorn, <laughs> get it? Yeah. Was the most expensive prop made for the production, costing $7,000 to create and taking six weeks to build. It's a pretty cool gun that shoots out the popcorn. Yes. You only see it briefly in the very beginning. I know. If you spend that much money, I'd be having it in every scene. Yeah. <laughs> no like, I, I still don't understand what it did, though. Like, even if it shot the popcorn on you. I mean, granted, we see what happens when Debbie takes it back to the popcorn. Yeah. It turns into like clown larvae. Right. But, but like larva. But like right away, you're like, okay. I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, you thought it, it would have more of an immediate right. effect. That I thought would have like maybe like acid popcorn or something like that, and be like, "Ah, oh, it's burning." I don't know. Um, so for me, uh, this is pretty cool for me anyway. From uh, facts and trivia, so the Kyoto brothers do you know are known for their special effects, and they've actually done special effects for one of my favorite scenes and one of my favorite '80s movies, which is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. They do the animation for Large Marge. So oh, Large Marge with the whole face thing. That is their work. I that remember scene scared the hell out of me as a kid. Oh, it did too. Pee-wee's big adventure. But Absolutely. Then it got to the point where I would literally like go back to that scene and freeze frame sure. one by one just to watch that whole animation work out. But yeah, the first time I saw it, it scared the crap out of me. And that's why my kids haven't watched the movie yet because I know it'll scare the crap out of them too. But <laughs> Yeah, watching it in slow, it's just like, oh, that's really impressive. So, yeah, they are the people that did that. So, large, that's Marge. cool. Large Marge sent me. I don't really have any other like fun facts and trivia outside of the fact that they've been trying to do a sequel to this forever. Oh, yes. And uh, I wanted to read this statement. Uh, this was on Wikipedia, I believe, by mm-hmm. Stephen Kyoto, the director. This was from March 2016. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool. He says, right now we're currently pursuing a long arch series for Cable. We wondered, should we do a sequel to the first one or do we do a remake? We came up with a requel. It's a sequel and a remake. Kind of made me think of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Uh, we've been developing this for a while. It's a trilogy in four parts. And it's really and it really follows the continuing adventures of new people who are experiencing this phenomenon of a clown invasion. And once in a while, you see some of the old guys pop up and hear their stories. Find out what happened over the last 25 years. It's fucking great. That's what he said, Uh, which would be cool uh, for sure. The proposed title for the first sequel to the original film was Return of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 3D. (laughs) I'm there. Again, a television series based on the original film is also uh, rumored to be produced. You know, John Massari, who did the music, he re-recorded the score with a full orchestra at Warner Brothers Studios in 2016, like preparing for the sequel. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I know. So they're they're still talking about it. So I know it's it's just in like, it's just getting bounced back and forth. Development hell, yes. I think the the latest I read was, I think with the Disney takeover of Fox, that somehow, I don't know how, all of a sudden, Killer Clowns became a Fox property, which is now a Disney property. So Disney gave it the thumbs down. So I don't, I don't think we'll be seeing anything from Killer Clowns anytime soon now. Yeah, that yeah, sucks. If, yeah, if Disney has, Disney has it. So, uh, but it, yeah, 
Yeah, Go some ahead. of the ideas did sound pretty good. I was kind of like, oh yeah, I would definitely check that out. Make a low budget sequel that people would actually see. But yeah, I highly doubt at this point. I thought this was uh, cool that the killer clowns from outer space were featured as a scare zone at the Universal Orlando Halloween Horror Nights. And it was supposed to be, I think it's scheduled for the 2019 Halloween Horror Nights, also here in Hollywood. Yeah, I actually did watch it on YouTube. And so that, they did do it. Yes. And okay. It's, and it's scarier than the movie. That would have been cool to have seen. I, I would have, because I've been to Hollywood or Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood, and it's really, they do a nice job. I mean, do they a great job there at Universal with that whole thing? It was pretty cool. They did uh, follow. Like you, I think it starts off where you go into the spaceship and you go through that and then you have the jump scares and then you go into the cove and it ends and it ends at the police station where you have the, the mad the clown with the mannequin at the end. Yeah. It's, you can find that on YouTube. It was, it, it was pretty good. There, you know, you definitely saw people jumping around because they got clowns jumping out of everywhere. Right. Of course. Yeah. They have the bathroom scene. They do do a, a nod to the shadow puppets, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it was, yeah, I was pretty good. I was kind of like, oh man, I wish I definitely went through that. Yeah, that would, that, w- I, that would have been a blast. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we'll be able to do it. Well, you know what? I can't believe I should have said this earlier because, you know, we we're talking about the sequel a couple seconds ago, but the killer clowns do make another appearance in another movie, but not as killer clowns. They were used in 1991's comedy, Ernest Scare Stupid as Trolls. So they repurposed right. the heads as that. trolls. And um, I have not seen, I never saw any of the Ernest movies, to be no. honest. Yeah. So I can't confirm outside of seeing still shots that it did look like the heads from Killer Clown. So got it. Very cool. This was kind of funny. So the Jeep that is covered in and filled with cotton candy webbing was loaned to the production by a local car dealership. The car dealership was told by the effects department that if they sprayed the Jeep with Pam before they did the webbing, um, it wouldn't permanently stick and they could clean the car right away with no problems. Well, it didn't work out that well. And they did about $3,000 worth of damage to the car. So they actually took the car to another dealership to get it repaired before they returned it back to the initial dealership, which was kind of funny. Awesome. Yeah, because that just reminds me of the story of my uh, father-in-law. He was out here on a trip. And uh, dinged up his rental car. So instead of taking it back to the rental shop with a ding, he took it to a local body shop and got it fixed before he returned it. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's something. Yeah, that, of course. Yeah, yeah, something that normally happens. Absolutely. Yeah. It happens more often than you would think. So and then my last fact and trivia. So in the, in the final scene, when Debbie, Dave and, and Mike are all trapped in the in the um the spaceship, you see all these clowns coming out to surround them. So there were 40 clowns that they used for that scene. And I think they basically used just like five prototype heads and then they would just redress them in different costumes and wigs. So here, like I, I told you before, that one of the clowns names was Shorty. Yeah. Uh, so here's some of the other names. So you had Rudy, Fatso, Jumbo, Spiky, Slim, Bibbo, Chubby, Fatso, Talls. So, yeah, a whole bunch of generals. There's actually a video on YouTube that goes through every single clown, like like what's their derivative of and how they look different than the next. So it's if you can find that, if you're that interested in it, I watched it. It's like, it's like five minutes long. 
and it breaks down all the clowns that are shown in the movie and like who's the brother with who and then the the i forgot the girls names clowns names and that but it tells you who they are too so yeah so the most that most clowns you see in one shot is about 40 fantastic that's great that's part of the the cult fandom too of this mm-hmm. movie I mean, people do care about that people know that like this is a this is a cult classic yes yeah i mean there were action figures like figurines there's collectibles from this movie. I mean, people collect stuff oh yeah that from this movie so i'm I have no doubt that all the clowns have names and probably backgrounds at this point and connections and like you said mm-hmm. good stuff man uh, all right so moving on to box office so from what i gathered was this movie was originally going to end up being direct to video but they did release it in theaters and it was uh, released on may 27th 1988 and it was in such limited release there's no box office numbers for it whatsoever uh-huh. i couldn't find out what it made at all but i did find out the budget for the film was two million dollars right i'd so, read that yeah um so it probably made it all back in video so there was a time period where you couldn't even get it on video it got pulled and then they re-released it again and it just it just took off so it maybe made its money back at that point from uh video sales but yeah you could so you could still pick it up on uh there's like a special edition blu-ray i don't think it's for i don't think it's in 4k yet but there's a a special special edition on Blu-ray for the movie. So if you want to check it out there. Um, so then moving on to reviews. When growing up in the early 80s, we loved catching at the movies with Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert to hear the reviews and watch clips from upcoming movies. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I thought for sure the first time I heard about this movie was on this show, but I could not find anything. And I couldn't even find if they reviewed the movie on their show or not. So it is, however, 76%. On the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has an IMDb score of 6.2. So not too bad. So not bad at all. Like yep. So that uh, brings us to additional thoughts and questions. What are some additional thoughts and questions we have about Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Well, I just feel here's just an additional thought, real off, real quick, off the top. I just really believe, like I said at the top, that had I seen this then when I was a kid it most likely would have been a cult classic for me. I just honestly can't say it is because I, I just today is the very first time I saw it, but I, I think I have an understanding of how it became a cult classic. So I do have now a very quick appreciation for this film, but Bill Bant, I've got some questions for you. If you're ready. Yep. Go for it. This movie is purposefully campy. Do you think the actors were acting campy on purpose? No, I think if they did, I think sometimes when you do that, it hurts the film. And I think with this one, because everything else was so campy, you need to have like a pseudo serious element into it. And even though like some of their acting was a little over the top, it wasn't bad acting. Yeah. I actually thought their acting was okay, where it didn't take you out of the film. But like you kind of chuckled at some of the way they were delivering their lines. Yeah, I, th- I actually do think there was some bad acting in there, but it didn't. It wasn't at bad enough, like you said, to distract. Right. It like, was it worked because the movie isn't it's a B movie. Yeah. You got to have some back. You're going to have you're supposed to have bad acting in a B movie. I don't know. It's it's almost expected, I guess. They have enough talent that they should be in front of the camera. No doubt. 
Oh yeah, they all have have really solid moments. Right. Yeah. I don't think they're bad actors. I just right. maybe just have bad acting moments. So yeah, like I, there's sometimes when you watch a bad horror movie and just the actors are just as bad too. Like how are you even in front of a camera? You don't. You right. Don't, sure. It doesn't yeah. work. You know right away it doesn't work at all. And I didn't. I didn't feel that way with anyone in this film. I just like eh, this is a little bit over the top at some points. Yeah, I, I just wanted to put that out there. If thought maybe you thought they had been directed that way. No, I didn't think so. No, I don't think so either. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Though. Oh, good question, though. Here's the big one, Bill Bant. What is the scariest movie that features a clown or clowns? I, yeah, I guess we'd have to go with it. That's the first one that pops in my head. I think as an adult now, yes, it, Pennywise being the clown, has to be it. But the one that has left its lasting imprint on me okay. will always be Poltergeist. Oh, that's a good one, too. That's the one that got me as a kid and it stays with me because that damn clown sitting on the chair across from the bed and the kid, you know, he keeps looking at the, and then it's gone. It's under the bed and the thing starts choking him. It aren't the arm wraps. You like a slinky all the way around his neck. Like, no, no, thanks. I'm done. No, I'm done with clowns after that. Right. There's another one where that clown is spooky looking. It's like, why do you keep that in your room? Oh yeah. Are you kidding? It's staring at you while mm-hmm. you're trying to sleep. What are you doing? No. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know if you can that's think a, of any others. It's a good, another good list. Like if you're a fan of Googling lists, but really Poltergeist and it are the top two. I mean, those are the top two. Spawn. Yeah. The clown. Oh, sure. on that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's another one pops in my head right away. That's a good call. And then after sure. that, it's usually like really cheesy, schlocky horror where it's clowns. But yeah, I, I would say we probably covered the big ones. So yeah, I'm just going to share a little bit. My fear of clowns, I actually remembered this today. It, my fear of clowns began with a clown figure lamp. It's a lamp that was like a clown figurine that was on a night, like a nightstand at a cottage that my family used to stay at, that we would stay at overnight. It was horrifying. I hated that thing. Oh, you That's know what? I think I had one of those too. It was like a ceramic clown and it was its face. Was it holding balloons? Maybe. See, mine Maybe. was a full body one. One of them was holding balloons and the other one was doing something else. But okay. it, didn't, it didn't scare me though. Oh, this one scared the hell out of me. And again, right on the nightstand, right next to your bed. You know, it's like that we had, but thankfully that was just a temporary, you know, temporary stay, but. I always felt like, yeah, the, the clown was going to follow me, hunt me down. Like, I, my imagination just ran away with it. Speaking of other clowns, I'm like, help me out here, Bobcat. And, uh, oh, yes. Uh, um, oh, my God. And uh, Robin Williams has a hilarious cameo in it, too. Isn't he like a mime in it? Because they have, there's a. Shakes the clown. Thank you. Oh, my God. There we go. There's a great movie. That's not a horror movie, but yeah. still, I yeah. love that movie. shakes the clown good stuff uh quick question speed round uh you answered one of these already (laughs) have you ever have you ever played a clown no but you made balloon animals but you weren't being a clown no you weren't that wasn't as no it's not a clown never been like a a kid's like a party clown no uh wherever you were you ever a class clown uh i would say no 
Do you like the song Send in the Clowns? And okay. if so, which is your favorite version? The Frank Sinatra, Barbara Streisand, or Judy Collins? Judy Collins. Good answer. Good answer. I'm going to bring up this situation. What was up? Do you remember this whole thing? This was like a trend a few years back. The clowns creeping around neighborhoods. Yes, I do remember about that. What the fuck was going on with that, man? I'm just so glad I didn't live in any of those neighborhoods. It seemed like it was. I I meant to do the research on this. I ran out of time. I forget where that happened. Yes, but they weren't necessarily committing crimes, and that was the whole problem. Is they would like appear. They would like appear at a distance like in the woods or on a, like a hilltop behind a house and just like smile and be creepy. Yeah. I think we got something from the kids school once about that. Like, yeah. Like you had you to know, be like a warning. Yeah. Was that out here? Was that in Maybe that was out here. Was that? <laughs> yeah. I think it was, was around Cal- in California. I totally, around. I totally forgot about that. God. Yeah. That was like a thing. It's, yeah. That seems like forever ago, but yeah, it was only maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I, I forgot about that one. Just people in clowns just kind of hanging out. So my last question is, is this almost sort of like a horror movie for kids in a way, like kind of mature kids? Like if, like to, if you could introduce them to the horror genre in a way, not super young kids, of course. Right. Because the clowns are still way, way creepy. But this movie really, like I we've mentioned, barely any gore. Barely any scares. By the way, the one scare that got me, and even a little bit on the rewatch when I was taking my notes, is when the three clowns show up at the pizzas and the girl answers the door. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, one of the clowns heads pops out of the pizza box, like a jack in the box. That got me. Yeah. That got me. Sorry. I would have ballooned that girl. I'm not. I'm not putting her in cotton candy. I'm going to keep her. I'm going to keep her. Like if we knew what they were using them, if we knew what we were using them for, yeah, she would she would have been in the balloon character. Oh, Bill Bant, that's why I love you, man. You come up with these gems. I'm gonna remember that from now on. That's all I'm gonna say. Doesn't sound right at all, but I'm just gonna say attractive girl walks. Oh yeah, I would have ballooned that girl. People be like. Wow, that sounds really inappropriate, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, my God. My face is so red right now. It's not even funny. <laughs> totally would have ballooned that girl. Uh, what do you, what yeah. do you, what do you, I don't, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, what does that mean? I think I know what you're talking about. But I don't balloon that girl. Yeah, I would have kept her in a balloon. Uh, oh, God, the show's kind of running long, Chase. We got to move on. Ah. <laughs> uh, do you have any additional thoughts or uh, questions? No, one question, just one thing, because we're talking about clowns all the time. The fear of clowns. Got to mention it. There is actually a, a term for being afraid of clowns, oh, and great. it's called colrophobia. So that's the fear of clowns. So if you suffer from colrophobia, you're afraid of clowns. So I'm sure people are like, people are afraid of clowns. What's it called? So chlorophobia, coal. Coal. See, yes. I want to say chloro, like no, uh, it's coal. coal row. Yep. Phobia. That's hard to say. Coal row. Yeah. yeah I can never. Phobia. They're always, they're, yeah, they're always so weird to say those things. I just say uh, a clown phobia. Yes. Clown phobia. So here's my question. Do you think this wasn't the first time the clowns had come 
to Earth to harvest people, and then that's where clowns start it. They allude to that in the movie, don't they? Somebody says that, as in they it's it's like in passing. They're like, Do you think this is where like the, the clowns fashion themselves after these were the first clowns that yeah. the clowns we have sort of designed or fashioned their look after the alien clowns? Yeah, do you think that? I kind of thought it was like, yeah, this is probably not their first trip here. No. Right? Yeah. I thought that's kind of a cool mythology. Yeah. There's a whole, could be a whole mythology to this kind of, it's like predator. Mm -hmm. They come during only the hottest seasons. Yes. Makes trophies of men. Yes. Cocoons. (laughs) They make cocoons, cotton candy cocoons of men. I mean, they, they took enough that they were, they wouldn't have to come back for a while. I mean, that was a stocked ship Mm -hmm. of cotton candy cocoons. Oh Yeah. And they ballooned a lot of people. Yes. They- <laughs> Damn it. Guys and girls got ballooned. All right. Let's move on to our recommendation. <laughs> Hi. Jason, would you recommend Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I would. I would recommend this. Knowing, I, I would say go in knowing that it is a horror comedy, uh, that it is a B movie. And I'm going to say, I'm going to just repeat what Bill said. I'll tell people it's like Roger Corman, Tim Burton took a Roger Corman movie and directed it, you know, or Tim Burton directed a B movie. This would be it. I would say this is great for a party where there's a lot of weed being smoked. Uh, It's not scary. It's ridiculous. It's goofy. It knows it's goofy. It's self-aware. I appreciate it for that. Uh, the clowns have wonderful makeup effects. Uh, the cotton candy factory is eerily cool. Speaking of weed, I would give it four out of five Kush nugs. That's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm my new rating system. I honestly believe this is what my rec- ultimate recommendation for this movie is. I believe it needs to be, a, if it's not already, because I could be mistaken, it probably is already in some places. This needs to be a Rocky Horror Picture Show or like a the room type of situation with a theater full of people laughing at it, laughing with it, throwing popcorn and cotton candy at the screen, everybody quoting the movie as the movie is playing on the big screen stuff like, and, and then react to like answering the, the actors as they're oh, on yeah. screen. You know what I mean? Playing mm-hmm. along with it, like role-playing like the part when Mike and Debbie are in first discover, you know, walk into the circus tent and they walk into what seems to be, you see like a reactor and the electric sparks shooting out and stuff. And Mike is says, what is it? A nuclear power plant? And Debbie says, no, a missile silo. No, a military base. No. Like you could see, you could see mm-hmm. the crowd saying those oh, quotes yeah. and re- yelling, no playing a lot. So I totally think that it would be, it's really well suited for that type of not format. as not the word I'm looking for, but. We should put that event on at some point, Jason. Oh, yeah. It would be a blast because you could come up with all kinds of things to interact with with the movie in that sort of uh, really, really fun group setting. Cool. I would recommend it, watching it, too, with a a group, with friends, and just, uh, again, party atmosphere type of thing, which I've said about our previous two horror films we've covered thus far. But, uh, yeah. It definitely has its place. And I understand it's cult status. So yeah. 
much, many, many props to the Kyoto's, the Kyoto mm-hmm. brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like I said, I first saw this late night cable and that's what this movie is. It's a late night cable. Nelson's Nelson is on. Check it out. And as Jason said, too, just know going in, it's a B movie and it's an enjoyable B movie and it's a straight story. So there's nothing deep about it or anything like that. It's just clowns coming in to harvest people to use them as food. And uh, it's just it's just a fun it's just a fun little film, just some fun little inventiveness, how they use special effects. So yeah, that's right. I put it. It's it's a late night cable film that you should enjoy it. You know, your classic midnight movie madness kind of movie. All, all I can think of is like you pair this with like um, plan nine from outer space, kind of one of those. No, not even that. That's too good for plan nine from outer space, but something in that vein, like, like you sure, said, no, it, do, it does it. have like it. that fifties. It does have like that fifties black and white movie feel to it. Like you, mm-hmm. you said it perfectly at the beginning. I could hear the narrator like killer clowns from outer space. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I would recommend if you get a chance to see it. Yeah, check it out. I'm not saying run out and go see it, but if it if it comes across you on some streaming service or something like that, and you got nothing else to do, yeah, just give it a little watch. I'm sure it's an interesting film. It's interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to our fourth podcast of Splatter Cinema Month. Next week will be the final episode of the series, and we are ending it with 1981's horror classic, An American Werewolf in London, starring David Naughton, Jimmy Agutter, and Griffin Dunn. As always, please subscribe, give us a review, and rate us. You can email us at all80smoviespodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your feedback, questions, or recipes to share. You can follow us on Facebook at all80smoviespodcast or tweet us at podcastall80s. Until then, have a truly great week, everyone. Thanks for staying up with us. Good night, world. <laughs>